Well, our thanks as always to Home Street Bank for their support of this podcast. If if you're looking for a bank that has it all, great people, great service, great rates, this is the place for you. This is my letter of choice. It should be yours as well. Go to homestreetbank.com. It's your one-stop shop for all your banking needs, both business and personal. That's homestreetbank.com. What resources might help you to be effective in sales? And are you using those resources? Let's talk about it on today's episode of The Buyer's Mind. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore, on the podcast where we try and figure out the way that our customers think, the way they make purchase decisions, knowing that if we design our presentation around the way that the customer wants to buy, it's a complete game changer. And one of the things that we look at as we're designing our presentation is what are the resources that make us more effective in how we reach out to our customer. Joined, as always, by our show producer, Paul Murphy. Murphy, you're a tech guy, so I'll assume you are constantly looking at your available resources that are going to make you smarter and keep you up to speed with what's going on out there in the world. Yeah, you know, the the internet is a great thing, but uh, it's a pretty vast, so you need to, to narrow things down and figure out what's the best use of my time when you're out there searching for that information, right? Is part of that just your network of people that you've met over time to be able to say, okay, I've got this issue over here. It's a technical issue. It might be just a little bit beyond my scope of knowledge. And so I will call that guy or that gal. Absolutely. Uh, so my go-to guy is a guy named Ivan. Uh, no, he's not Russian. He's Greek, but uh, nonetheless, he is the engineer of engineers. And when it comes down to knowing something that I don't, He's the guy I go to because he knows everything. So you've got uh, Ivan, and then you've got Google, and and uh, yeah, you've got YouTube. You probably got a couple of manuals out there that you read from time to time. But at some point, you've got your resources. You know where to turn in order to get better. Absolutely, and uh, typically, I try to lean a little bit more on my network of people than uh, than what I see on the the other things out there, just because experience tends to pay off a little bit better than just something you read about. Agreed. Uh, although I will say uh, that one of the things that I have found is that YouTube is a, a really, really powerful uh, a tool uh, to be able to learn how to do uh, uh, things that are very, very specific. So, for example, you know, when I... Um, I lost the the fob uh, control to one of my cars. I had to buy a new fob, and then I had to figure out how to program it. And uh, what did I do? I just I went on YouTube, and I just the guy showed me how to do it. I fixed a sprinkler that way by watching a YouTube video. But also for uh, for hockey, when I want to learn a specific technique in hockey, there are a ton of videos there. And I find that that's true in just about any area. When I want to get smarter, there's always a resource out there. It's a matter of whether I'm willing to take advantage of it. But there's also those resources that um, just make us better because we are well-connected to them. I do a lot of keynote speaking, so I'm constantly looking at how to market myself. And that means understanding, for example, um, how speaking bureaus work uh, or how I tap into meeting and association planner networks. And so what do I do? I talk to people at the National Speakers Association, of which I've been a member for many, many years. 
We network together, we share best practices, and we use our resources. And I want to ask you the question as a sales professional, what are your resources? Where are your resources? And are you tapping into the tools that will make you better? I think that perhaps the number one issue or problem that we see in sales are those salespeople who are waiting for people to buy from them. And that's not sales. That's called order taking. You have to use your resources for skill improvement, for networking, for connecting, for inspiration, for prospecting, for doing what you need to do to get better and stay better. So here's my suggestion. Go out there and interview the best of the best in your field. Ask them what they do to stay ahead of the curve. And then whatever they tell you, do that. Ask them what resources they use to stay on top of their game. Whatever they tell you, do that. Adopt the processes that the best in the business are already doing. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here, but you might find that there are opportunities to learn from people who are very effective in your field and just copy that. Just look at it and say, what are you doing well? How can I do some of that? You're going to find that the best in the business always have resources at the ready that will make them better. Because think about it. Why would you want to try and get better only by trying to figure it all out yourself? Wouldn't you want to learn from the people who have gone before you? That's the opportunity. That's the challenge. And when it comes to sales, here's somebody who is extremely well-connected and knows how to use her resources. That's Alice Hyman. So we're going to learn from Alice today. What do we do to build our network of resources? Well, joined now by uh, Alice Hyman. You might know the name Alice Hyman, or or Hyman for sure. It's uh, famous in uh, the sales world. Uh, Alice Hyman spent the first 13 years of her professional career as a teacher, but then she began her work with the great Miller Hyman Company. And uh, since then, she has branched out on her own. Uh, She's worked in developing uh, sales training programs and uh, has become a coach and a trainer and a very prolific uh, keynote speaker. And then in her spare time, she launches new companies and teaches at uh, universities. So uh, because it doesn't sound like her life is quite busy enough. Uh, Welcome to the buyer's mind, Alice Hyman. Alice, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm busy. <laughs> I, I, you were just, you're not so busy. You're one of those people that just, uh, I don't know, it's, you, you just, you don't know how to say no, or are you just easily bored and you have to take something else on? I'm definitely easily bored and I'm on the say yes path. Say yes to things and make stuff happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to say that uh, life is a buffet and I want to die full. So <laughs> There's just so many things to do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You've been in the sales business for a long, long time, uh, in the sense that you know you've you've seen so much of it. You've you've done all you just just all these different things from frontline sales to sales leadership to running a company and everything else. Uh, what is it about sales as you look at it that that really makes it special? And 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 maybe that uh, folded into that. What is it that a lot of people just flat get wrong about sales? Well, for me, sales is really about helping other people. And I did teach public school for 13 years before I got into business. And that is a helping profession, as you know. But I see sales as a helping profession as well. And I have seen everything in sales, including 
a little known secret about me while I was teaching, I opened a business called Book Adventures. See, I just can't stop myself. I have all these entrepreneurial ventures going on. But I saw a gap in the marketplace. And I took advantage of that gap because parents and teachers needed great materials uh, for to help them, you know, t- teach their children. So I started Book Adventures. And that was a business to consumer business. And my first real company, I had started some nonprofits, but that was my first real company. And again, I did it because I felt like I was helping. People had trouble finding the right materials that they needed and getting the right information. And so I was providing that. So for me, sales is really about helping. And in order to help people, you have to care. And so if you are just out to make a dollar, or if you don't really care whether people get what they need and want, your sale is going to be tougher, no matter whether it's business to business or business to consumer or retail. But that opens up a number of cans of worms out there. When we look at it, we say there are some sales people that are going to look at it and go, okay, well, listen, I, helping people, that's great and everything. But at the end of the day, I just needed the sale. So, um, you know, I, I'm not just out to make a dollar, but I got to make a dollar. And then we can also get into the idea of, well, okay, if it's about helping people, where does closing uh, come into that uh, discussion? Uh, does it have a role in what happens in sales? So how, how do you how do you walk that line between helping people to do what they want to do, but recognizing that there are business realities and quotas and these types of things that salespeople have to deal with? Well, corporate America certainly does put a tremendous amount of pressure on salespeople to close deals. That is the truth. And of course, if you are on a base plus commission or, you know, some type of compensation where you are compensated for the sales that you close, then indeed, you do need to close deals. Now, that said, we still can go after it in a way that works for everybody. It should be win-win. So I need to find the right prospects. As my good friend, Diana Guerin always says, your prospects are depending on you to find them. But not everybody's a prospect. So I need to find the right prospects. I need to care about whether they get what they want and need. I need to understand that thoroughly. I need to understand their buying process, what's going through their mind, what is going to make them uh, look good, what's going to make them happy. I need to really understand how they're going to make this decision. And then I need to help them during that buying process by getting them the information they need so they can make the best decision humanly possible. So there's a lot of products and services out there that are pretty much the same. What's going to help you win is being a better salesperson. And that means you're helping them make the very best decision possible versus just trying to sell them something. So yes, closing comes into that because... I have a solution for you that is the right solution. It's the best solution. And when you buy it, you will be happy. So I am going to help you do that. Let's talk about uh, connecting and about uh, connectivity. Um, You recorded an outstanding YouTube video recently on this subject about, uh, about how salespeople go about connecting. And and part of that was a challenge in the area of the cold call. So let's let's start with the cold call and then we'll get into connecting because this is a raging debate amongst the uh, uh, so-called sales gurus. Uh, half of them, maybe not half of them, I don't know if it's evenly split, but a whole lot of them are going to say 
cold calling is alive and well, and you absolutely should be doing it. And others are saying, in this information age, with the access to information we have, there is no reason you should ever make another cold call as long as you live. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah. Well, first, let's define cold call. So what does that mean? So we Cold calling used to mean, here's a list. You know, here's your phone book. <laughs> when we were young, right? Here's your phone book. Start dialing, right? Completely ice cold. Don't even know if you're going to reach a person. You don't know a person's name. You know nothing. That's really where the term cold calling came from. But today, we do have to make cold contacts. We make them all the time, though, anyway. Think about it. You go to an event. You don't know everybody there. That's a cold contact. You walk up to somebody. You shake their hand. You say hello. That's a cold contact. We reach out to people on social media with a valid business reason, of course, and a great introductory message. That's a cold contact. I mean, we are making cold contacts every day. That's how we make a new friend. I mean, that's how we might meet the person that we are going to marry. We make cold contacts all the time. So there's really nothing wrong with that. It's part of our life. But in sales, what makes sense to do today is not just dial for dollars. It makes sense to know something about who you're calling and what they might need and why they're your ideal customer before you pick up the phone or send an email or send a social media message or meet them at a trade show. Doesn't matter. It makes sense to use the vast resources you have to get to know something about them first. And it makes sense because we are so connected these days to get an introduction to them, if at all humanly possible. So before I will make a cold contact of any kind, I will always work hard to figure out who could introduce me and then help them do that in a very productive way so that I get to have a conversation. I get that introduction with a wow message and that person wants to talk to me. So I will always do that first. But yes, of course, I'll make cold contacts. It's part of life. We do it all the time. We just need to do it smarter. So how? let's talk a little bit about that, about how we do it smarter uh, in business and what are the different ways? Because it, it's it's one thing if I look at it and say, okay, I've got a really strong connection with this person over here. He knows a lot of people. So, you know, I, I guess I could just pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm trying to grow to my, my business. Who, who do you know? Right. I guess that's one way to do it. But it's not always going to be that easy and and not always that's and even that tactic isn't always going to be appropriate. So how do we get started on that? How do we use our sales resources more effectively? And what are the key resources that you look for uh, when you're you're putting on your sales hat? Well, again, I, I think it goes back to this connectivity, right? So if salespeople work hard to build a network where the people know them, like them, and trusted, and they are connected all of this becomes easier, right? So I can make a list of my ideal prospects. I can go online and find the names of the people who will likely be involved with the decision. And then I can specifically use LinkedIn to look and see who they're connected to. But then I can get off LinkedIn. And as my dear friend, Joanne Black always says, pick up the damn phone. So then I can call you, for example, and say, hey, do you know any of these people? Because I specifically want to talk to them about. And it would sure be easier if you could help me get an introduction. So I've got to be really specific about the way I do it. Not just, oh, hey, who do you know? 
Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. Um, but if we come to you with a few names of people or a company name and we talk about it a little bit, then you can help me think about the best approach and who you can introduce me to. Now, likewise, because I'm so connected, I can help you when you come to me. Because I say, oh, let me look and see who I know. Let me get an introduction for you. So I think by being more connected, you have more opportunities to get help and help others. You said something really important. You were talking about building the network first. And I think whether it's you know, how you are using LinkedIn, how you're using Facebook, how you're using uh, that network of people that you just know and come across from time to time. I think one of the mistakes that gets made is that we think about how we're going to utilize our networks, whether they're virtual networks, online networks, personal networks, whatever they are. We, we, we lead by saying, how do I tap into that network for my benefit without first looking at it and saying, how do I pour myself into that network, there's this idea that I think we've got wrong where the network is, you know, it's just take, 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 it's take, take, take. And, and, and it's, it's just obnoxious uh, after a while because we go in with, I, I, it was described to me once as walking into a, a relationship, even a virtual relationship, you know, are your, are your palms up uh, saying, give me, fill my palms or are your palms down saying here, I've got something for you to take fundamentally, our approach in that is probably where a lot of salespeople uh, get this wrong right from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. You have to give first. There's no doubt. And that's why I am so active on social media. I'm putting out great content for people to consume. I get thank yous all the time. Thank you for that article. It really helped me do this. People send me messages on LinkedIn and ask me how to do stuff. I answer them in full-on paragraphs with step-by-step instructions. They cannot believe that I took the time to do that. But it's important to help other people. Those people will die on their sword for me now because I went above and beyond to help them. So I think a lot of salespeople don't think like entrepreneurs. If salespeople thought like entrepreneurs, they would constantly be nurturing their network, giving back, giving back, helping, connecting people when somebody is hiring, send a few names their way. When somebody is looking for a resource, you are connected enough to be able to send them a few ideas of where they can get the information they need. When um, they're looking for um, funders or investors, you can spread the word to people you know who do those kinds of things. So you can use your uh, network to help them first, share great things that will help people. And then it's very easy to get them to want to help you. Uh, somebody on our podcast, I can't remember who it was, but somebody had once said that the best, it might've been Seth Godin, who, who said your best strategy is to treat your prospect like they're already a customer long before uh, you've ever, ever even thought about, you know, whether you're going to get a check from them. If you, if you start taking care of people as if they are already your paying customers before they start paying you, uh, that's always going to be the best strategy and, uh, and the best way to be able to get them into the fold as a regular customer. I think that's really, really good advice. When you're looking at, um, at the sales process, when you're looking at salespeople, are there things that just drive you a little bit crazy? Do you have some, so do you have any sales pet peeves? <laughs> well, I probably have a lot of them, but I think it is kind of endemic in our sales society that we are 
onboarding and training salespeople to sell using very old ways. <laughs> We're not teaching them to be modern sellers. So it's not really their fault. This is the way they've been sold to in the past. And it also happens to be the way we're training them to sell. And so they're doing behaviors that, yeah, they're, they make me crazy. Um, like spamming me on LinkedIn, sending me spammy sales messages the minute that I connect, sending me emails that are all about the salesperson and the, sale, the company and nothing about me, nothing to catch my interest. I mean, they're just really using bad practices or they walk up to you at a trade show and start to pitch. It's all about them. It's all about their company. It's all about their products and services. And we are really doing salespeople a disservice by allowing this to continue. And in fact, making it continue by the way that we onboard and train them. So I really feel like we have to start hiring salespeople in a different way and bringing them into this modern selling helping them understand that sales is a helping profession. And it's not all about you making your quota. It's not all about our products and services. It's all about the people who are buying from us, how we solve their problems, how we help them hit their goals, and how we make them happy. Because if they're happy, they'll buy again, and they'll tell everybody else about us. So mm -hmm. we really have to train salespeople to be looking outward, be customer focused and understand what does customer focus mean? How can I help? Not it's all about me, my products, my services, my stuff. And we've got to stop training salespeople to pitch. Until we do that, there's just going to be all of these problems out there, these terrible spammy messages on social media, on email, terrible uh, cold calls, uh, you know, hey, let me tell you all about my stuff. It's got to stop. Uh, we're running short on time, but I, I, you wrote a blog post recently, uh, a, a, a fantastic blog post. And by the way, you can you can follow uh, Alice and read her post uh, all over social media, but go to alicehyman.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well, so you can figure out how to do that. Uh, but uh, Alice, you wrote a blog post about... Uh, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. Now, we could probably spend an entire show talking about this book, um, but I, I have to tell you, I, I have, I, I'm trying to remember the last time I read a book that I both loved and hated at the same time as much as uh, Deep Work. Yeah, you and me both. I started reading that book and I was just getting angrier and angrier at that Cal Newport because I thought to myself, well, you, Mr. Academic, you can just take a semester off and do this and do that. And you have the la la la. And I, I was really just kind of angry, but I kept reading for some reason. And finally, I got to the part of the book where he said, look, I realize that you have a busy life and you cannot do things the same way that I do. So he started to share all these ideas and how you could do deep work and what deep work really is is about taking yourself out of your day-to-day -day and putting yourself in a place where you can think and dive into something and really work on it. And this is not just for entrepreneurs or business owners. Salespeople absolutely should be doing deep work. The knowledge worker of the future is only going to be valuable if they can do this deep work. Because we, let's face it, machines are going to take over a lot of jobs. And artificial intelligence is already here and can do a lot of the things. So we need to keep growing and changing and 
doing better. And that is really what deep work is all about, taking the time out to figure out how to do that. But it, it's a it's a challenge because he's really asking us to undo long-held habits and to yes. really look at things we otherwise might find uh, uh, just uh, completely foreign to some people. The idea of quitting social media, for example, is extremely foreign. The idea of embracing boredom is extremely uh, foreign. There is one, sec- one, one concept that he talked about that has really struck me and stuck with me a lot, and it's the idea of attentional residue that gets left behind when you're trying to move from task to task thinking that you can do that effectively and you just can't. And he says something really interesting. He says, to produce at your peak level, you need to work for extended periods with full concentration on a single task free from distraction. And uh, I'm thinking about that as a, uh, as a, as a, as a sales trainer, that's exactly what I want from people that are studying with me. How can you work on a single task or in this case, perhaps a single technique for an extended period of time, full concentration, free from distraction. That is not easy to do. And yet it is absolutely required if you want to nail that particular technique. And just one of a, a, a many, many concepts in the book that are really worth uh, grasping onto. Absolutely. And I, I think our society has been become so distracted with not just social media, so many, many things that we do have to give ourselves periods where we are not distracted and see what that feels like. It's not easy, but you can start with five minutes, then 10 minutes, 30 minutes, go to two hours, four hours, try to give yourself time every day if possible, but certainly every week where you are working on something without distraction. There you go. Before we go, uh, we're going to put you on the hot seat. Rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. You ready? Yes. Your very first job was what? Babysitting. Okay. When you were 10, you thought you would be? I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, most The most beautiful place you've ever stood? Oh, my gosh. I have stood in some beautiful places, but I will say... On the shores of Lake Tahoe, near where I live, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Could not argue there. Any book that you've read that made a profound impact on your life? Deep Work. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, a movie you've seen multiple times, but you would gladly watch it again if it came on? Hitch. Okay. And finally, the name of your first celebrity crush? David Cassidy. Love it. Love it. Love it. Tiger Beat Magazine. There you go. You're off the hot seat. Uh, Alice Hyman. It's uh, The website is alicehyman.com. We'll put that in the show notes uh, as well. If you sell regularly at uh, trade shows, you absolutely want to look at her trade show makeover program. Really, really valuable. Just cutting edge stuff on how to do that. But you just want to follow uh, Alice on social and on her blog posts. One of the more intelligent uh, people that you're ever going to meet. And just a, I can tell you firsthand, uh, a real giver, just a really giving person. She's a wonderful, wonderful human being. Thank you so much for being on The Buyer's Mind, Alice. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. So, you know, uh, Murph, I, I've uh, had the opportunity to work with Alice over these last few years. And I have to tell you, she's just a, obviously very, very smart, but she's just a really, really good person and really one of the uh, most generous people with help and with assistance. And before we brought on for the interview here, we were talking about using the resources. Alice Hyman is a resource 
to me. I've reached out to her a couple of times and said, hey, what do you do about this? And can you help me with that? And she has always come through. And there's just something about people who are like that, that you just gravitate to and you appreciate and you think, wow, the world needs more people like this in it, doesn't it? Well, and that's just it, right? Somebody who's helpful to you, you want to come back to again and again. Somebody who's just leaving you in the ditch, not helping you. Why would you ever come back to them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get the sense that Alice Hyman is pretty well connected. She is, uh, obviously. uh, uh, You know, great resources with the Miller Hyman uh, company there. And then uh, for her to branch out on her own, she's, uh, she's doing very well for herself. But I think the key is that when she talks about using resources, her network is her greatest resource. And I got to know Alice because we belong to the same network, a network of sales thinkers, sales entrepreneurs who all have their own uh, sales consulting businesses. And um, and I got to know her through that. And, and that network connected us together. But her network is her resource. She does a great job of networking intentionally, purposefully. And what happens then? Uh, she has a whole network of people that she can connect with, that she can grow with, that she can learn from. And that network becomes her secret weapon. I think what happens with a lot of salespeople is that they get into this lone wolf syndrome where they look and they say, well, nobody really understands me. Nobody really gets me. I'm just going to do this on my own. I'll put my head down, get the sales and move on. I'm just not sure that that's the healthiest way to build a career. I think we have to look at it as a salesperson. Uh, It's okay to think like an entrepreneur, but you're wrong if you think that entrepreneurs are not well networked. The best entrepreneurs out there are the ones who are excessively networked. So if you start thinking like an entrepreneur, if you start thinking uh, like, what do I do here to be able to use my resources effectively, then what's going to happen? Well, you're going to start thinking about things like ownership. Entrepreneurs own their business. They understand that their efforts have direct payoff into the bottom line. They own it. They don't make excuses for it. They don't blame other people. They own their business. Entrepreneurs entrepreneurs also are value creators. They're constantly asking the question, how do I create new value? And they don't sleep at night if they don't believe that they're creating new value. But then maybe the most important thing about entrepreneurs that sets them apart, and this is something that the very, very best salespeople that I've ever met have in common, they have an extraordinarily high achievement drive. They have to win. Successful entrepreneurs have to win. They have to uh, achieve. And it drives them crazy when they have skills or motivations or aptitudes that are not being utilized. High achievement drive is a critical component of success. And I would just ask you, are you thinking like an entrepreneur? Are you using the resources the way that an entrepreneur uses those resources? It's going to make all the difference in your career. It's also going to make all the difference in the way that you take care of your customer. Think like an entrepreneur. Use your resources. Grow your personal business. And then you can go out there and change someone's world. 